0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of What's on the Pile. I'm Nathan Besner, and joining me is Shane Lee. Hey, what's up? And Jenner. I have come
1: to extemporize and chew (laughs) bubblegum. And I am mildly
0: phobic of (laughs) bubblegum. That's true. (laughs) This episode is going to be a little different for us. Uh, We didn't watch any movies this week. Uh, Even we need a break sometimes. Uh, No, tonight we'll be having a general discussion. Uh there are a few questions we've come up with in advance and we'll be discussing stuff we've seen that we wouldn't get to discuss on the program otherwise. So uh I'm gonna stop reading the script and get right into it. Uh Do it. yeah, why not? Uh let's see. Week what was the first question we came up with? Ah, hey. yes. Comfort food movies. Oh everybody say hi to Maggie who has decided hey to make her YouTube <laughs> appearance. Yeah, yeah Maggie. Bye Maggie. <laughs> good push. <laughs> she's she's a good kitty. Uh, okay. Comfort food movies. Movies you can watch over and over. What are some good comfort mov- food movies for you guys? Uh, why don't we start with you, Shane?
2: Okay, I've got a few. Um, one I'll start with is uh, is Stand By Me, mm. which is a movie I saw when I was, I think, 10, 10 years old. I mean, it's rated R, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really a good movie for kids. I mean, it's probably, in my opinion, the best mo- movie about boyhood ever made. Even though you know it's written by a boomer, Stephen King, and it's about his boyhood in the '50s, but it's so much of it still applies, I think. And um, yeah, it's just a movie I watch all the time. Uh, I've loved it since I was a kid. Uh, I think last year when I had like a rough night, I just threw it on, and uh, I think you you agreed, Nate, that it was one of your comfort food movies too. It right? is com- definitely movies.
0: Uh, the soundtrack is very. Even though it's not my time, it, the soundtrack is very nostalgic for me. I I got that soundtrack when uh when I was nine, I think nine or ten. Uh, when I also at the same on the same year got uh the Ninja Turtles blimp for Christmas, and so oh, I nice. played uh I played the soundtrack to Stand By Me while playing with the Ninja Turtles blimp all Christmas, and uh, that's what I remember most about uh about Stand By Me. Um, that's a great movie, I, lo- I love it I just showed that to my kids uh, recently uh, to Amelia, who's nine uh, and I think it's a fine age to see a movie like that uh, Yeah,
2: I mean, it has, I guess it's rated R for, for the cursing mostly, and there's <laughs> like a shot of a dead body, like I, the first time I saw it it was actually edited for television and I don't feel like I missed anything because like, I was, I, I knew it was rated R so I kind of didn't tell my parents I was going to watch it, even though it was on TV <laughs> I watched it, didn't see anything that was objectionable there's you know the one shot of the the dead body at the end which isn't really that big of a deal um but yeah it's the movie i saw at the right age and it has just stuck with me all my life
0: i always found that... that shot of the body to be very haunting
1: that's one i probably need to see again because granted i don't think i've seen it since i saw it on television again edited for television um in the late 80s, it kind of left me cold the first time that I saw it. And I don't think I've seen it again since then. So that that's that might be one that would be worthwhile to revisit at some point as well. But
0: uh, uh, I'll, I'll have to freely
1: allow, no, that is not one of my comfort food movies.
0: <laughs> I can't imagine you at that age. I really can't. I just imagine you
1: no, being like born like... Nobody Mid-30s. can. <laughs> uh, I, I, I always say I don't believe in, uh, in astrology, which makes it that much more annoying when it seems to be on to something. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I am told that I am an almost perfect Capricorn on the cusp of Aquarius. Uh, part of that involves uh, having been born at a very old age and continued at that age for quite some time thereafter until I reached about 30, at which point I started gradually becoming younger again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, uh, oh, so
2: maybe the movie'll uh, be right up your alley now now that yeah, he, no yeah. At, at this point at bit. this
1: point, it's probably worth taking a look at. I can have nostalgia nostalgia for an experience of boyhood that did not resemble my own. <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: I mean, I can't say I had any of those experiences, you know r- r- at all, but like I like the whole friendship thing, I think that was something that really resonated with me. you know, I don't I didn't have a lot of friends growing up, and so I don't know if I had friends like that, but that was sort of something that I always wanted as a kid. And I think they did. The movie does a really good job of portraying that. Uh, you know, one of the things they did was they they cast young actors who were. There, there's a whole special on the DVD where Rob Reiner talks about the casting, and they had to cast basically the those. They had to cast the type. They couldn't act ask those kids to act really. So what you see, you get. You know, Jerry O'Connell as Vern, who's sort of this chubby, dorky kid, and you have River Phoenix, uh, rest in peace, who plays like the 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 old soul, like the wise peacemaker like leader of the group and will wheaton who's very uncertain and uncomfortable in his own skin and of course Corey Feldman, who you know was going through a lot in his own in his real life which is the same thing that his character teddy Duchamp was going through you know he had an abusive father in the book uh you know i'm sure he growing up as a child actor and the things that he went through he brought a lot to that role as well
0: yeah, I I love that movie. I think it's great. Um, oh no,
1: I, I absolutely can't fault the casting in any case. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's just I don't know. Like I say, I need, I need to see it again to see if it you know hits different this time.
0: Yeah, suck my fat one, you cheap te- cheap dime store hood. What a great
2: line! <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's from the book too.
1: <laughs> I, I, I given uh, King's kind of parallel interest in hard boiled along with uh, with horror, I can absolutely see that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well. Jenner, what do, what do you have as a comfort food movie? Ah,
1: I would like I say, I've uh, got a fairly broad collection of that sort of thing. But by comfort food, in this case, I, I I think not only of the movies that you put on if you want to feel better, or the movies that always make you feel you know well comforted, but also the ones where if you just you know happen to turn on some random channel and it happens to be what play uh, what's playing, you'll just sit down and continue watching it to the end. Uh, the ones that jump to mind outside of the stuff that would be relatively obvious for me like you know basically every movie Vincent Price ever made um i mean more more specific i mean of course my favorite movie of all time is the is the abominable doctor fibes which is uh again one of those things that i can just roll up in and hang out but as far as stuff that tends to turn up a bit more randomly and without uh, searching it out specifically, the two that, re- well, the three that really jumped to mind, uh, one of which we've actually covered on the show, of course, uh, was Lady in the Water, which uh, I, I know your, you guys' mileage was definitely a little variable on that one, but uh, I just absolutely adore that movie uh, and just find it enthralling every time that, uh, that I see or even hear it. Uh, The ones that might be a little bit less obvious that uh, particularly stick with me, and I don't even necessarily characterize these as being particularly near the, uh, the top of the list of my favorite movies, but definitely the ones or among the ones that I can just sit down and watch and never get tired of. Would uh, probably be Wonder Boys, the Michael Douglas, uh, Michael Caban movie, uh, which may actually be a little bit closer to my experience as a uh, quote unquote gifted youth. Hmm. Uh, And uh, um, uh, The Devil's Advocate. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) I love that movie. I love Wonder Boys. Yeah,
0: Yeah,
1: I, know. I, I, I absolutely love both of them, and as I say, they're they're definitely in my top one hundred favorite movies, but uh, not particularly close to the top. But they're just always a delight from moment to moment, and um, just a uh, sort of compulsively watchable. Some would say, in the case of Devil's Advocate specifically, possibly in spite of itself, uh, I. I <laughs> I mean, even Keanu Reeves's Southern accent in that movie, oh, I, not... I I I just adore. But I mean, <laughs> Al Pacino as as, uh, as you know, utterly. Gold from moment to moment, as he has ever, ever been. Just, I, I still occasionally just find myself, uh, in the odd discussion about, uh, about uh, theology or that sort of thing, going back to his, uh, his whole rant. He's a sadist. He's an absentee landlord.
0: <laughs> um, Is that the? Uh, does that start with the uh, vanity?
2: The vanity no, speech.
1: That, that ends with
0: vanity. Vanity. Yeah. That, yeah the, the okay. okay
2: final that's right. line. So, so, Jenner, you went to a liberal arts school, right? Yes. yes because exactly. uh, in, in Roger Ebert's review of Wonder Boys, he said it was like the most accurate recreation of the university experience he's ever seen. I did not go to, university, or to a liberal arts school. I went, I went to school for engineering. My college experience was absolutely nothing like Wonder Boys. I mean, I, I still love the movie. and It's one of those things where I always wondered what it would have been like to actually go through something like that. And do you agree that it's, it's can, close I to can, what the experience I, was?
1: I can vouch that uh while my the uh, the sort of special events at my school were not particularly sort of writer oriented per se there was definitely a, a a definite resemblance to the vibe that uh the uh, the the whole quasi artistic uh uh pretension of the milieu in its own right uh you know
2: and, and what perfect... Avowed,
1: avowed, not least by my using the word milieu gratuitously there. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, like I said, I, yeah, th- th- I mean, Wonder Boys came out, what, two, three years after I graduated from college? Yeah, no, I saw that shit across the veil.
2: <laughs> and, and, what, and what perfect casting is Robert Downey Jr. probably playing fairly close to himself at the time as this sort of pansexual, drug addict sort of person who's just kind of a wild card? Yeah. Um, just a delightful performance of course he was probably like in the midst of all that shit at the time it would be like what 2000 something like that
1: yeah right around there I think it was you know, a little bit of up a little bit of down for him at that point uh, but uh, yeah no still kind of, just an absolutely categorically perfect cast from top to bottom
2: and uh, there is a cameo with no lines spoken by Rob McElhaney of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fame Oh. At the very end of the movie, during the scene when they're in the lecture hall, he's seen. You can see him sitting right next to one of the characters, just basically as an extra. But it's it's very because def- they shot that in Philly, I guess, and it's it's very definitely that, him. That's funny. It's a bit of trivia. Yeah,
1: but, yeah, but I mean, at the, at the same time, you know, uh, Francis McDormand, uh, uh, Toby McGuire doing his best faux, you know, obviously faked deer in the headlights routine.
2: Um, Alan Tudick. Uh, uh, th- yeah, that week. was
1: that's the movie that, as I said last week, uh, as uh, that I regard as the movie that gave me Alan Tudyk, you know, <laughs> Traxler. It's like, hey Traxler, Mister Doctor Professor Tripp, do you get high only when I'm working? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and of course the whole you know bit about uh, about Errol Flynn and the paprika on his dick. Um, yeah, no, the the the, the movie is just kind of endlessly quotable and uh and uh and uh just uh, uh, always surprising from moment to moment even having seen it something like you know 10 or 15 times by now I've long since lost track it's one of those ones uh that uh actually another uh, good example of a comfort uh, of a comfort food movie although it's one of the ones that I think a lot of people would say really uh, uh I uh, would be uh, would be citizen kane um Which uh, is uh, obviously a a, a little bit daunting by the terms of this category, but at the same time, it's one of those movies that, uh, again, I still, in accordance, or one of those odd points where I actually am in accordance with conventional film guy wisdom, uh, do actually regard as the greatest movie that I've ever seen, although there's a possibility that we might circle back on that with one of the later questions. Um that being uh, that being said it is not my favorite movie but is a movie that i go back to every few years to remind myself that things are all right it's hmm. it, it, it's kind of a little hard to explain the phenomenon but uh um yeah no it, it it's one of those things that never gets old uh never seems to repeat itself no matter how many times you see it um it's it's I mean, as Pauline Kael will uh, will tell you, it it is deeply flawed from a screenplay construction uh, to the point where I almost regard it as uh, falling on uh, my list of uh, great movies with bad scripts, hmm. which is not exactly the fault of the script. I mean, strictly speaking, the original length of the script was twice what it should have been. Um, you shouldn't write a script like that in the first place, but that's on Herman Mankiewicz, uh, who of course we've discussed before as well. But at the same time, the movie is just, you know, even knowing the twist at the very end, uh, just uh, mysterious and wonderful. And it is even now absolutely staggering that that film exists at all. And it's one of the things that always kind of refuels some of my batteries. All right. Well, I guess I, mean, I should. One, uh, w- I
2: was what? just going to say real quick. Wonder Boys would have been on my list if I thought of it for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, it's a so joy. I'm glad you it's, it up. It,
1: it's just such a joy. I, 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 I don't. It, it seems to have fallen into, into obscurity. That's that's one that I want to pitch for the Criterion Collection.
0: <laughs> um, oh, we should uh, probably let's. Uh, I should probably do mine. Yeah. Um,
1: Yes, you 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 are afforded that opportunity.
0: Yes, uh, mine. I I look at the comfort food movie as a sick day movie. What do I watch on a sick day uh, that that really makes me feel better? And I've got two of them: um, chicken soup for the cinema. Right, <laughs> and those two are Tremors and The Burbs. Nice. Right. I think that they are two of the most likable films I've ever seen. I there's nothing I would really want to change about either of them and I just enjoy watching them. Like when I watch them it makes me feel like I'm watching watching them for the first time every time. It makes me feel giddy like a like a movie should and uh Tremors well... especially. Uh, Tremors has some of my favorite lines in history like uh uh we don't have to do anything right now uh or wait oh god how does it go how does it go the line you see we we plan ahead we plan that ahead. way we don't have to do anything right now Earl, Earl explained, explained it to, to me <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: it I, i've I'd only seen that one. movie one it's so oh, good I, I liked it though have, yeah, you no, seen, have you seen all of them the whole tremors I've, yep i've seen movie. every
0: single one even uh, even the ones uh, with what's his face
1: i i've only seen the first two the, the second one i thought was actually a little underappreciated
0: jamie kennedy but, uh,
1: uh, no, I I never got past the second one, although I d- did see a few episodes of the TV series. But yeah, the, that that first movie is just absolute lightning in a bottle. Yeah. It's, uh, w- one of those ones that just remains an abject joy. I believe I missed it on its original theatrical run. I first caught it at, I want to say, something like Dragon Con 1992 uh probably on day two when I was already well into con delirium hmm. and the movie
0: just freaking sang. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's a nicely made movie. It's very uh it's it's near perfect in my opinion. It's it does exactly what it needs to do. It gets in, gets out, and does it so well with a uh a, a cast of characters, uh an ensemble that that I would put right up there with like aliens. Um <laughs> Characters that you really enjoy spending time with. Broke into the go- wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you?
1: <laughs> yeah, I need to go back
2: and watch that. It's been—I a- think I saw it when it first came out. <laughs> I-, I do remember enjoying it, and then that's—that's—that was the last time I saw it. Maybe it even- came out in the '90s, right? Yeah. So it's been—it's a- been a while. I think that was '91.
0: I believe it was '91. I don't. Might remember- have
1: been ni- I- Might have been '90, but I think it was '90.
2: Burbs
0: was earlier than Tremor, so. Burbs was
1: uh, Burbs was the movie that my dad took me to see when I got stood up for my first date. So I have an interesting (laughs) relationship with or what would have been my first date. So that was an interesting uh, experience in its own right. But uh, the thing I love about the Burbs is the way that it just kind of constantly keeps you off balance. Mm. Hmm. they 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 keep you know kind of you know reversing back and forth you know this hint goes this way this hint goes the other way and it feels like a, a plea for tolerance until it turns out that no yeah no Eastern European people are fucking terrifying <laughs>
0: <coughs> as is Henry Gibson. He's <laughs> so good in it. I I I love I, I love seeing that guy and anything he's in. When he just shows up in random Joe Dante movies, it's great. Like in Gremlins 2, he's a guy that's just having a cigarette break and they find him like in the parking lot and, <laughs> and just zoom in on him. And he looks so sad that he's losing his job. And, oh God, it's
1: Yeah, no, He always great. did have one of those very great sad sack demeanors to him. But yeah. uh, like, it's one of those bits where it's kind of like Gabriel Byrne in The Usual Suspects. They play into the effortless complexity of his expression uh, at any <laughs> given time. Um, But, uh, you know, the Burbs is uh, the Burbs is a low key delight. And granted, it's not one of my comfort food movies, but it's eminently recommendable.
2: Yeah, I actually hadn't seen it for a while until I think 2020 during the pandemic, because I follow, you know, other movie podcasts and they have like a discord where they have movie nights where, you know, the, the, the podcast I'm talking about is where they're going through the AFI top 100. But the hosts are like, well, these are not all the best movies. Let's do some movies that we just like. And one was they hosted a, a group watch of the Burbs. Oh, um, I, I can definitely was, see
1: that as a good pandemic f- film. That that feels like one that would be revelatory coming when uh, during a period where you've been home for you don't know how long and you don't actually know what day it is.
2: Yeah, and the the scene where uh, Tom Hanks, where they offer him a sardine and he eats it on a pretzel, it's, a, it's supposed to be this. It's supposed to be this gross scene. I fucking do that all the time. It's delicious. <laughs> I, I I I mean, if, as long as you like sardines. but it's. It was
1: the sound effect. It was the slight yeah. little jiggly, schlorping sound effect of the sardines <laughs> as they came out of the can. It's like, you know, that's just a little bit above room temperature. Yeah. You, you can hear it. You can feel it. You can smell it.
0: <laughs> uh, was it uh, Brother Theodore? Was he? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I liked I like seeing him because uh, I see him in so few things. Uh, he well, did, yeah, no, uh, he's... He did the uh, voice a... on uh The Last Unicorn. Yeah. And he was great in that, but uh other than that, um I don't really remember. I, I believe he
1: was also Gollum in The Rankin Bass. Yes! yes.
0: Yes, that's right. He was Gollum. But yeah,
1: no, brother brother Theodore is one of those uh, I, he was better known back in the day. At this point, I think he's probably one of those secret handshake cult figures as much as anything else. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, no, he's uh, still one of the most unusual voices ever committed to posterity and, <laughs> and, and we're definitely the better for it <laughs> but the actual live action uh performances by him are practically unheard of so
0: yeah yeah. And, yeah well why don't we uh why don't we move on to another question um how about this one uh the first movie you remember seeing in the theater
2: i, I i've got one for that all right um well, I mean, we all have just one, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, but this... <laughs> well, I, I have two because I'm not sure which one was first. Ah. So, so mine's really easy because this is literally my first memory of life, was, was seeing this movie in the theater. And I checked the date to make sure I wasn't remembering wrong. But it turns out it came out in the summer of 82, one week before my birthday. So I would have been just about almost... Or one month before my birthday, so I was just coming up on three. And it was E.T., That's like my Mm -hmm. first memory of life is seeing E.T. running through the woods with lights chasing him. (laughs) And I don't remember, I I didn't see the movie again until maybe two years ago, and I didn't remember anything else, anything else about the movie, except of course, we've seen the the bike flying through the air, whatever. But that's, yeah, that's literally the first thing I can remember going back was was being in the theater and seeing that image on the screen.
0: E.T. is uh, my answer for the unpopular movie opinion. (laughs) Okay, I mean, I don't, well, we'll I don't have, any, to, we'll I, I get don't get have any. No, I, the, I don't.
2: I, no, it's, uh, it's... Uh, uh, other than remembering that, I don't have any special attachment to the movie. I didn't, yeah. I literally hadn't seen it, you know, I, until I, a few I managed years ago. To catch do you, that one, so, do you I, like, do you like ET, or do you not yeah. care? It's all right. <laughs> I, mean, I, I saw it really. I saw it. I would say almost for the first time a few years ago because I don't really count that first viewing because I didn't remember any of it. Yeah. I was not even three yet. I saw it because it was on the unspooled list, the top one hundred. AFI list or whatever, and it was fine. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I watched it again recently
0: with the, with the kids because Jess made me watch it, and I, I did not dislike it as much as I initially disliked it. It's, it's a fine movie.
1: The, granted, the last time that I saw it, I think, was when I was in college. Uh, annoyingly, that doesn't feel as long ago as it probably should. <laughs> uh, at the same time, I had first caught E.T. when I was six in its original theatrical run. Uh, and thought that it was both long and really, really scary. Uh, I actually appreciated the pacing a lot better when I saw it in, uh, I want to say, my very, very late teens or very, very early 20s. It, it, it was all right. It's, it's nothing terribly monumental. Certainly, it did not live up to the level of ballyhoo that it suffered, especially since, rather like uh, Star Wars completely uh, destroying the, pro- the box office prospects of Sorcerer, we can now look back and say that E.T. completely destroyed the box office prospects of The Thing, mm. which has only gained in stature over the years, whereas E.T. is like, oh yeah, that was big at the time. It's a classic, right? Right. It's a classic, right?
2: <laughs> um, I've I heard a lot of kids found ET very terrifying. The actual ET himself very scary. I never, I never got that. I just thought he looked dumb, because <laughs> you know, I, even though I didn't really remember the movie, the, the toys were around, and it yeah. just looked at like this. Well, I mean, I, I find it interesting. Thing. Br-
1: reading up on the background on it later and it it was absolutely was absolutely supposed to be a more horror themed sequel to close encounters of the third kind it's just they ended up retooling it at the uh, at the uh, in, in the pre-production stage so uh yeah no, you can definitely see that very short crossover where it could have very easily been a horror movie it just wasn't
2: um, and of I'd... course they made a, a classic video game tie in with that yeah, has actually even... played that no, I've, I've seen the documentary of it. I don't it. hang yeah.
1: out in landfills in Arizona, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I have a
2: copy of it. I have a copy of the game, but I,
0: I've never played it.
1: No, by all accounts, it's unplayable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It looks pretty bad. Yeah, but pretty you know,
1: bad. E- e- <laughs> like I say, when I, when I saw it, uh, having developed some sense of the way time worked and the way that cinema worked, I, I thought it was actually you know fairly enjoyable, but nothing terribly monumental.
0: And it's, um, speaking of uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, I revisited that recently and ended up hating that movie.
2: That's on my pile. It's been on. Our, it's one of the first movies we put on the, our pile that's list. That's right. That's so right. Done that one yet.
1: That's one where I find that my feelings are constantly changing. That said, I can see, given that it's been quite a while since I've seen it, I could see that uh, Richard Dreyfuss's character would not go over nearly so well in uh, with, with our current mores and mores uh, as it would have done at the time.
0: No, he's a deadbeat um, dad. Yeah, pretty much. That's um, uh, that's our hero. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Give give me Ray Neary over Roy Neary any day. Anyway, <laughs> uh, shout out to Alan Tudyk. In any case, though, um, no. Uh, the uh, d- did you want to go ahead with your first movie, Nature, or should I undertake that?
0: Yeah, yeah. Mine mine is kind of twofold as as well. Like I I remember uh, I re- the first movie I remember seeing in the theater was not the first movie I ever saw in the theater. The first movie that I was actually in the theater with, I was a baby because my mom wanted to go to the movies because she loved them so much. And she took me to Ordinary People. So that's... (laughs) Never seen that. It's technically my first movie, uh, but I don't remember it at all. Lucky Um, you. (laughs) My first movie I remember seeing is Amadeus. And nice! I Very loved nice. that movie.
2: How, how old were you? That's a three-hour movie, right? That's was like three.
1: Well, no, it, it was only about, uh, I want to say, two hours and 20 minutes in its theatrical version, although they subsequently restored uh, the 174-minute director's cut. But either one is absolutely worth seeing.
0: Yeah, I love no, that no, movie. I've seen it yeah. many times since, and, and really, I, yeah, I still you love know, that movie. You know,
1: Risable my... is actual history, but as a piece of writing, as performance as filmmaking, just an absolutely
2: astonishing picture. My yeah. first viewing of that movie was actually at the perfect setting. It was at music camp. Oh. We sat and watched it. I loved it. I, I haven't seen it since. I owned it on Blu-ray. I think I saw it when I was 10. Mm-hmm. I was at a violin camp or something, and we, we were playing Mozart, so we watched Amadeus and fucking loved it. Oh, yeah.
1: No. Great frickin' movie. Um,
2: I had, uh, I had M- one. Movie
1: is, movie is so great. Bob has written historical fanfic about it about it.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> about Thalieri? Yes. That's funny. You
1: know, specifically regarding the next times that, uh, that uh, or in his later life that he encountered uh, characters who had the similar sort of luminescence flo- flowing off of them uh, were, uh, uh, that uh, that uh, Mozart had, which was, of course, Beethoven, who was very stern and an ass, mm. and, uh, and uh, Franz Liszt, who was, uh, uh, you know, Again, absolutely phosphorescent. Also an ass, um, but uh, and both of both of them his students. Uh, but even so, leaving leaving that aside for what you were saying, Nate. Oh, I, I,
0: there's there's one other movie that I remember. The other earliest movie memory that I have is going to see Supergirl in the theater, um, because my mom always reminds me of this story. So of course I remind me of this story. Which is uh, in the middle of the movie, when she does her, her like, flying montage, when she first learns to fly, and she's going through the clouds, and it's like, oh, and everything's sing-songy, and the theater's dead quiet, and I bellowed out, Supergirl's got big bosoms. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's what tops- I remember about Supergirl. Props to Helen Slater. Um, yeah.
1: <laughs> setting your young imagination on fire. Um, <laughs> now you could do worse for a very early, early uh, sort of formative film going experience.
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not the best movie in the world, but uh, it's, really, no, it's no really, Amadeus.
1: Really, really nice score by Jerry Goldsmith, though.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, what's yours?
1: Uh, I am not sure which one was first and which one was second, but so I have to go with the two earliest film-going experiences that I recall. Both of them in a the same drive-in movie theater in Trenton, Maine. Actually, amusing little side story before I get to that. Some years later, before we had moved out of Maine, but when I was somewhat older, I uh, turned to my mom as we were passing by the place and said, Mommy, why don't we go to the, uh, to the movies at the drive-in anymore? And she said, we can't go to the movies at the drive-in anymore. And it was only in hindsight that I realized what, you know, triple X double feature on the marquee. <laughs> at, for, a for the at, a, at a drive-in? the drive-in. At a
0: drive-in?
1: That was what happened to drive-ins uh, during the period before they started getting revived.
0: Just right out there in the open, huh?
1: Well, I mean, obviously the, uh, the screen wasn't facing the residential uh, area, <laughs> but uh, even so... No, that, that was what happened to Drive-In, seriously. But no. uh, in any case, though, at the, uh, the Drive-In in Trenton, Maine, and I don't know which one was first and which one was second, it was either Star Wars, probably not on its original theatrical release you know, in 1977, but probably either in late second or third run around 1979, uh, or its uh, first theatrical reissue, right before Empire Strikes Back, which would make the first movie that I saw. The other one that I'm remembering here, also probably in around 1979, the theatrical release of the pilot of Battlestar Galactica. Mm. Thing that you guys uh, are probably too young to remember. I mean, it was literally before you were born. Universal had a thing uh, around the late 70s and early 80s for editing theatrical versions of its uh, big... Budget SF pilots. Yeah, uh, it, it's not just that I saw Battlestar Galactica in a theatrical venue. I saw the pilot for Buck Rogers in the 25th Century in an indoor theatrical venue not long afterwards, but uh, which made it very surreal later on when I distinctly remembered the closing theme as having words. But any time that I saw the episodes of the TV series itself in syndication, it was always just purely instrumental. I was like, what, was, what were the words to that? Uh, it took until video for me to actually run across that because I just never coincidentally uh, caught uh, TV airings of the uh, of uh, the uh, the first couple of episodes of Buck Rogers. But in any case, both of them, obvi- uh, definitely things that probably went a long way toward uh cementing my fondness for science fiction cinema as much as anything else. Uh, Interestingly, the third movie that I can remember seeing, and definitely the third movie that I can remember seeing, because it was after either of those, but before anything else I can remember, was right around Christmas 1979, not long before my fourth birthday, uh, going to the theater to see Star Trek The Motion Picture. So, quite literally, the first three movies, in whatever order that they are, uh, that I can uh, remember uh, seeing in the theater, were absolute colossi of late 70s science fiction pictures. Nerd. So Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, I mean,
2: Nate, Nate and I, I know Nate and I were both fans of the new BSG, but I, I've never seen the original. I've never seen a single frame of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard, I mean, I've heard it's very different. For... Uh,
1: it, it's, it's very different, but, uh, uh, I mean, it's the... Uh, the pilot suffered from basically being a condensation of two or three episodes. So there's very much a first half and second half. Uh, that, first, uh, that first half, the stuff that was originally in the first episode, however, is pretty amazing. All of the you know, sort of colony destruction and that sort of thing. And then, of course, you've got the, uh, the dulcet tones of Lorne Green kind of shepherding you through the whole thing. Onto the wagon train to the stars, in the words of, uh, of Glenn A. Larson. Uh, but yeah, no, like I say it's uh, it's cheese. The original Battlestar Galactica is, is cheese, but it's weapons grade cheese. It's you know like stank to the ne- uh, to the neighbor's yard fromage right there. <laughs> and I mean this in a good way. It's a lot of fun actually. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, I think uh, we should probably go ahead and take our break there. Uh, we will be right back. uh i don't have a script at all so i'm just winging this (laughs) uh we're just going to continue our discussion uh that that we left off um we're going to start talking about some other stuff though uh i wanted to talk about some stuff that uh that we'd seen or wanted to talk about that uh we wouldn't have a chance to otherwise uh you know recent stuff um stuff that's not necessarily on a pile. So my first example is uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. I finally saw Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh, I'm sorry, what were you holding up? I had a window open.
1: Oh, uh, just in the spirit of interesting things that we've encountered recently. uh, Oh, yeah. Definitely want to uh, possibly say a few words about that, and also possibly this.
0: (laughs) The Eurocrypt of Christopher Lee.
1: Yeah. yeah, Severin uh, Severin Films doing some extraordinary box sets on, of uh, lately that uh, I wanted to throw a few words at if we have a moment. But uh, yeah. you,
0: even so, you're uh, uh, no Spider-Man, No Way Home. Yes, I know everybody's talking about this movie, so it's not like big that we're talking about it as well. But it's it's a great movie. It's uh, yeah, yeah, I loved it. It's it's pretty perfect. It's uh, it's,
2: it's everything I wanted it to be, basically. Right. It,
1: it, it is the thing that gets me as much as anything else is. I, don't, I know I always use the phrase as much as anything else. Yeah. But still, the sheer audacity, uh, from the uh, from a narrative standpoint of the thing, to retroactively bring uh, or to uh, uh, to affirm. How deep are we going to go into spoilers here? Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert, folks.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, my Facebook is filled with memes of all three of them together. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's out there. Yeah. Well, no, that's not even
1: that's not even the thing that I'm thinking of directly. I'm thinking of the very good lawyer. <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's great. Su- that
0: surprised me. That I had not been spoiled. That yeah, and,
1: and that uh, that finally brought uh, brought me and Jane around. Jane is sorry that she couldn't be here, but uh, she's uh, she's traveling at the same time. Uh, that finally brought me and me and Jane around to finally watching the third season of Daredevil, which, as it turned out, was pretty freaking fantastic. Oh, so yeah. good.
2: That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean the. Just how fuck they were, every step of the way because of Fisk. I, that was such an intense season. I loved it. Yeah, you know. But
1: but uh, between uh, Daredevil, uh, the Netflix Daredevil retroactively being brought back into canon, not only with uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, but also with Hawkeye, which I've gone on at a bit of length about what an absolute joy that was mm-hmm. uh, on uh, on Bastards uh, is uh, uh, a bit of overdue justice in its own right. But to retroactively absorb no less than, I guess, counting uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, uh, seven movies made prior to the MCU or aside from the MCU into the MCU uh, (laughs) is nothing short of audacious. And I realize that it's one of those things where if you're not fully simpatico with the whole
2: thing, it comes across as (laughs) navel-gazing. Eternals! Um... I mean, I it finally got me to go watch Amazing Spider-Man Two, the Garfield one, and the scene where Peter three catches MJ. Was if you've fucking if, it, perfect, exactly. Yeah. If you yeah. haven't,
1: if you haven't seen uh, uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two, uh, it's it, it's a great moment. If you haven't seen, if you have seen Amazing Spider-Man Two, it is a transcendent moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it, like I say, it's it's again retroactive justice all over the place and just. Uh, a really tremendously entertaining narrative uh, in in its own right. And as as you observed when we were talking on the phone a little bit about this the other day, Nate,
0: nobody dies. Yeah, nobody. Yeah. Not one villain dies. They all get get the good they stuff coming through. Yeah, they all get and, fixed. And
2: that, that movie cemented Garfield is my favorite Peter Parker, even though yeah. he has the worst movies. But just his charisma and just his energy, the scene where they're... Where the two Peters are, are reassuring him of how amazing he is. Yeah,
1: I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with he's my he's not my favorite Peter Parker, but he's my favorite Spider Man.
2: Oh, I would go the up opposite way. I would say he's my favorite Peter Parker, but not my favorite Spider Man.
0: See, I I love how quippy he is compared to the others. He's he's got the quips down to to yeah. A that's T. it's just his
2: the the, the Spider Man stuff in his movies just is so not good that it kind <laughs> of colors that a little bit. So maybe I do agree with you guys. Maybe well, it's mean, my favorite I, overall. I don't you, know. You
0: know, in I, Amazing Spider-Man Two, when the when the web is coming down, uh, trying to reach for uh, Gwen Stacy, like, and it like turns a into hand. a hand. That I cracked up. I laughed out loud. I really did at that particular scene. I know it was tr- trying to be like uh, uh, tense and and beautiful and whatnot, but I just thought that was the silliest thing I'd ever seen.
1: I actually quite liked both of the Amazing Spider-Man movies on first viewing. I didn't, I, I didn't really agree with the bad rap that uh, Amazing Spider-Man Two got at the time. Um, that that said, I I I love that they've again done a little bit of you know retconning to um, bring it back into the fold as much as anything else. But uh, there it is again.
0: <laughs> anyway,
1: um, but yeah, you know, no, just uh, No Way Home is uh, just a. Just a fantastic movie, and absolutely, especially on the heels of the trailer that just got dropped for it, looking forward to further multiversal shenanigans.
0: Yeah. Uh, in, yeah.
1: In, uh, in the triumphant, hopefully, return of Sam Raimi to Marvel movies with uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness.
2: Yeah, I, I was just at a Super Bowl party with like maybe 30, 40 people, and people just talked during the commercials during the game. That was when everyone went silent. <laughs> Even just the small, because they only showed a, a small part of the trailer during the Super Bowl, but the the room just went silent for those like thirty seconds that the Doctor Strange preview was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty cool. I
0: I love I love that they've already given away one of their little things they're going to be doing by having Patrick Stewart in the trailer. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. That was yeah,
1: great. yeah. No, like I say, looking forward... given given that they've already spo- uh, yeah, spoiled or lightly spoiled that I. Can't wait to see what they haven't uh, tipped the hat on
0: yet. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be fun. I mean, see, to me, No Way Home did what what every every comic fan has been wanting a comic book movie to do. It did everything right. It it took the source material seriously. It took the material that came before it seriously, and it it did it all very nicely. Um, it's the opposite of like there's this thing that always happens in Hollywood when, when things get translated either from comic book or to book from books to TV shows. And it happened with, uh, I'll use the walking dead as as an example, even though everybody loved that show. Um, when that made the translation uh, transfer from, uh, from comics to movies, they decided to put their own spin on it, is the phrase that's always used. We're going to put our own spin on it. And then it just becomes completely different from the source material. And the people who love the source material are like, wait a minute, what the fuck? And uh, the people. We, we
1: wanted the source material, or, or we didn't need your spin. We don't care about you.
0: Right, <laughs> right.
1: Oh, and you think th- you are
0: Stanley fucking Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> and to me uh No Way Home is the opposite of that. Is the total opposite of that where it's just it is giving fans what they want uh which wouldn't without... be noted as a bad thing, but I th- I take it as a good thing because I am benefiting from it.
1: Well, it it gives the fans what they want without pandering. It's yeah. not just base fan service. It's uh it it it, it makes it all work and I thought really sort of deeply embraced the sort of the the genuine emotionality of it all as much as anything else.
0: I I think it did right what I I think Ghostbusters did wrong. I which uh we were going to talk about that as well at one point just cuz I really want to bring it up cuz I haven't gotten to talk with anybody about it but uh Ghostbusters True. does that same uh nostalgia thing um where the entire movie is is nostalgia is callbacks to previous uh previous events but that's it that's the whole movie it's it's all pandering and uh and no way home isn't it
2: it actually has a core to it it has some real meat you i see, mean
1: I, 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 I actually really liked ghostbusters afterlife yeah um,
2: i enjoyed you know the only part of ghostbusters i didn't like was when the old ghostbusters showed up at the end yeah i liked the rest of the movie that was a bit much that was where i was like okay this is this is just they stop a fight like dead just so they could show up and make quips and make their cameos and whatever. I'm like, wait, we were in the middle of a story. This is just kill- this is just sucking all the air out of it. As cool as it is to see them,
0: they also didn't even get like a badass intro shot or anything like that. They just do a hard cut to the four of them standing there, and it looks so sad. They're all so old, and they're <laughs> just like, man, just give cool. them a chair. Let them sit down. They've done their dirty work. They, they're, they're out of it. They don't have to keep going. But uh, Ernie Hudson proves one, one ter, uh, term that is absolutely 100% true, which is black don't crack.
2: <laughs> he still looks great.
0: Yeah, he really does. Standing next to Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray, he looks magnificent.
1: No, no, dude dude has uh, has definitely aged well. I really liked Ghostbusters Afterlife. I understand that to a great extent it was a nostalgia wallow, but at I mean at the same time it, it's a nostalgia wallow in a, a, an interesting context differing from what we're used to. It's, you know, so far away from New York and all of that. But uh also I particularly clung to the absolutely beautiful performance by McKenna Grace as she was the uh, best thing about lead. it. She she was she was absolutely awesome. I was I would watch another Ghostbusters movie with just her as the only carryover.
0: Yeah, and I think that's ultimately my problem is that it should have been the kids' movie and they made it into the old geezer's movie. And it didn't need to be. They they could have shown up as cameos, and it would have been fine. They did not need to show up for the final battle in their Ghostbusters gear yeah. again. I mean,
2: just just a phone call with Dan Aykroyd would have been enough. I think. Yeah, I, I would have been happy with that. They didn't need to show up and quip in the middle of a battle. <laughs> and I thought I thought Carrie Coon as the mom was good too. I mean, she's always good. Oh yeah, I know so, she's
1: she's fantastic. And everything. I don't know if you guys are watching the Gilded Age, but it's mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's. Uh, Interesting when you find yourself really rooting for the predatory capitalists.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no,
1: that is not a common experience that I experience at this point. <laughs> but uh, goodness knows that it's actually happening on the Gilded Age. Uh, but uh...
0: <laughs> what's and, and of
1: course uh, the the ongoing uh, thing of uh, of Julian Fellows having a major chip on his shoulder against ladies' maids.
0: Yeah, <laughs> what's up with that? <laughs>
1: Eh, I don't know.
0: But uh, you
1: know, interesting show if you like that sort of thing, but uh yeah, okay. even so.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh yeah, I I ended up uh not I I fell onto the side of not liking Ghostbusters al- Afterlife, which is I think fine because every so many people liked it. It's fine. It has it has enough uh Enough fans. It doesn't. Yeah, mean, individual mileage will vary. Yeah, not,
2: I thought I thought it was fun. Probably not going to buy the Blu-ray. You know, mm-hmm. it's fine. Yeah,
1: what I do, what I am kicking myself for not having picked up, mostly because I didn't think that I needed to get it. Because, good lord, I've already got Ghostbusters on DVD and Blu-ray, something like five times at this point, including the previous UHD release. Hmm. I need to find the currently fetching, horrifying collector's prices on Amazon. Mm. A big ultimate box set that they just came out with just because it includes a work print of Ghostbusters that is something like eight minutes longer than the theatrical version and includes a ton of material that was not in the final cut, mostly ad-libs by Bill Murray. And it's not available anywhere else. It's not on the previous UHD release. I can't find it. God damn it.
2: <laughs> it's got to be on YouTube eventually. something. Uh, I think. It's
1: got to sneak out somewhere, but criminy. I mean, I don't want to pay 200 dollars for a supplemental feature. <laughs> I've done it before. but still... <laughs>
0: Since uh since we were talking about uh Marvel movies, why don't we take a swing over to Venom really quickly? Uh I just wanted to bring it up because I, I like that it was the end. Uh it was the end of uh Venom Let There Be Carnage. The end sequence, spoiler alert. Uh uh the after credit sequence is is Venom and uh Tom Hardy seeing uh uh Spider-Man being unmasked. Uh, on television, and then he comes back for the Spider-Man No Way Home uh, end credit sequence to get Zap back to his own multi his own universe. Yeah, it turns out
1: he spent the entire conflict of No Way Home hanging out in a tiki bar <laughs>
2: <laughs> with, with 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 get... Danny Rojas from Ted Lasso. Yeah, as a bartender. <laughs> Have getting... you watched Ted Lasso yet, Nate?
0: No, I haven't. Okay, I need well to. you'll
2: find out who that is later. Okay. I hate but...
1: I hate soccer, and Ted Lasso is a joy. I hear I nothing
0: but good things. So, I, I have not
1: I have nothing but good things to say about it. Aside from it's about soccer, which I'll forgive because it's so good other ways. <laughs>
2: I, I have not seen the new Venom yet. Which Carnage is my favorite villain. I mean, I have he's been my favorite all my life. I have his first appearance. I have that issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Just wasn't interested. I've heard it's a lean and fun 90 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, maybe the first... when it's cheaper on for, to rent. I think it's like six dollars to rent right now. The, the, fir-
1: the first Venom definitely left me a little bit lukewarm. It was one of those, well, that is a movie that I saw experiences as much as anything else. Let There Be Carnage It leans into the abject bonkers of it all. Mm. Uh, Let There Be Carnage is the queer romance that we didn't know we needed. <laughs> uh <laughs> I mean, it, it, I mean, phrased pretty explicitly by the end of the movie, which is kind of awesome in its own right. But also, one of the single best uses I, I can think of, of the one permissible F-bomb in a PG-13 movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, like it's I say, so beautiful. It's, it, 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 the movie is an absolute joy. And I say this as someone who's completely lukewarm on the first one, and uh, has never been particularly entranced by most of the previous incarnations of, uh, of, uh, of Venom. Uh, it it's a
0: delight, absolutely. See it at your soonest convenience. I consider the Venom movies to be pure cheese. They're they're just fun. Uh, they're they're fun movies. They're stupid, but they're so much fun. <laughs> but but again, you know uh,
1: the uh, you know the original Venom is a mild cheddar, uh, whereas yeah. you know once again, you know Venom, let there be carnage is. is Especially stank roquefort that you can make out from th- uh, from three uh, from three blocks away, and I mean this in a good way.
2: <laughs> I mean, I do want to. I'll, I'll see it eventually. I mean, it's. Yeah, I've, I've got to see it. It, it, it. it has carnage in it. It's my favorite, so yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: It, it, it it's you know combating it, it. It's it's dueling scenery chewers, each of whom is themselves containing another scenery chewer inside them. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's a it's a joy. I highly recommend it. Much, much, much more than I would have ever thought possible.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. It's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, Amelia really liked it too. It's she says it's her favorite movie. Well, <laughs> I mean, give,
1: I mean, give it time. But uh, well, yeah. yeah,
0: but she just loves Venom as a character. She thinks he's hilarious. He is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, since we're on the uh, the Marvel track right now, uh, did we want to talk about the Eternals at all? If
2: you must,
1: <laughs> well, I, I for for our few listeners, uh, it, what li- what few listeners we have that don't have crossover with Bastards of the Universe or the Botu Crew uh, Facebook uh, group, I uh, occasionally post little capsule reviews of movies that particularly affected me one way or another, uh, on the, uh, the BOTU crew, um, uh, fe- uh, Facebook crew. Eternals really pissed me off. Um, I am, uh, it seems like the common consensus, particularly on the bastard side of things, is that I'm at my most entertaining when I'm at my most furious, but goddamn, that movie got a rant out of me. Uh, this was, uh, and I, I, I was game for this. I was, uh, I, w- I was going into, uh, the, the Eternals as someone who has liked every Marvel, uh, or specifically MCU movie up to that point, even The Incredible Hulk, which I otherwise regard as, eh, it's okay, but I mean, it's, it, it's the least of their movies. But for the most part, I really love most of them. I did not like this movie one tiny little bit. Um, Predictably, I mean, I, there, there were good things to be found in it. Some of the visuals were really arresting. Uh, Perhaps predictably for a bad movie, Angelina Jolie was terrific in it. <laughs> uh, I, I've often observed the phenomenon that Angelina Jolie has a strange tendency to be really bad in otherwise good movies and really fantastic in uh, otherwise really bad movies. Maleficence, of course, which Jane will be the first one to point out, being sort of the exceptio probat regulam on that one. But uh, uh, yeah, Jolie was terrific. Uh, the movie itself was one of those things where, if we are to take it as a serious tract about the cosmology of the Marvel universe, it is so unbelievably dire that it recalls the common non-Christian reaction to the world that we live in, where if this is actually the way that God is, I am going to walk backwards into hell with two middle fingers up. Um, And in the meantime, our main character, I mean, most of the actors were game. Um, Gemma Chan did her best with a role that is so underwritten that even the movie lampshades it. Like Well, there was this one time that I turned air into water, and there was this one time that I turned a stone into metal, and there was this one time that I turned a stone into another stone. Um, so we end up spending the most of the time in the movie uh, with, uh, with uh, Richard Madden uh, as uh, Icarus. Um, Richard Madden, I'm told, is uh, is good in some stuff on television, and he was passable as Rob Stark on Game of Thrones, of course. But in this movie, he has uh, the way that I put it on the on the review on the Boto Crew website, and the way that I'm continuing to think about it is, he has all of the charisma of about 15 minutes of driving in moderate to heavy traffic. Hmm. Um, it, it's just not good. It's just an ill-conceived movie that feels like it's better than its genre, and at the same time it feels like a betrayal of all of the characters that the MCU has built up over the years that we actually like to just come in at the last moment and say ah we have superheroes uh, heroes that are better than your superheroes well no they fucking aren't actually um it, it yeah how did you like it Shane
2: I liked it a lot actually <laughs> I was into it from the very first like minutes of it i am a sucker for movies where, they, where people assemble a crew, like Seven Samurai or any of the first ten minutes of the Oceans movies, this is the that, that trope stretched out to however long this movie is. I, I like that you see them all But I don't most really of the have...
1: crew is freaking useless! I, I like Nanjiani well, st- stood in for the uh, for the comic relief, or him, him and his butler stood in for the comic relief of the movie, but you could remove him in his entirety from the movie, and it would not affect the outcome of the plot one well, tiny little bit. Yeah, he
2: bit. does leave. No, but I mean, I like that you see them at their prime right away, and then it's just sort of like gathering the samurai again, um, seeing where they've ended up in modern times. Getting also, the band back together. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't have a strong reason for li- I just... I I was into it as soon as it started, and when I left the movie, I was like, I really enjoyed that. It did have the most egregious plot, or exposition dump scene I've ever seen in a movie, (laughs) where she, Gemma Chan is literally being told by the Celestials everything that is going on, and it's like a ten minute scene.
1: And the visuals are really impressive in that scene, but at the same time, the actual fundament of the cosmology involved was freaking horrifying.
2: Um... What do you mean by, I guess, what do you mean by horrifying? Like, the implications of it are horrifying, or are they...
1: Like, if this is actually the way that the Marvel Universe works, that's a nightmare. Um...
2: Well, I, I believe Kevin Feige has said that, lore-wise, this is one of the most important movies moving forward. So I'm,
1: I'm terrified at that prospect. I so want to pretend knows? this movie didn't exist. Um... <laughs> Uh, to say, no, to say nothing of the uh, the appearance of the character who is played by Harry Styles at the movie and who I guess is the Black Knight, who apparently is a Wait. cult figure.
2: No, Black uh, Knight is uh, Kit Harrington.
0: Oh oh ah okay. So... I
2: don't even, and I don't even know who Harry Styles is. So when he showed up <laughs> and the the audience gasped, I'm like, I don't know who the fuck that is. I found out afterwards he's some kind of singer guy that is really popular.
1: I had this same conversation with Nate the other day. The point is, it's yeah. one of those things where it, 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 it lends credence to the meme that's going around at this point, is the closing credit sequences of uh, of uh, MCU movies are like sitting through 15 minutes of slow-crawling credits to have a character pop out and say, Hi, I'm Gorko. Hmm. I don't know who the fuck Harry Styles was supposed to be there. Um,
2: he's somebody's brother, Thanos' brother? Yeah, Thanos' brother. All whatever right. that means. I don't know.
1: Fantastic. And in the meantime, dodgy, dodgy CGI for Patton Oswalt as uh, the little troll, and a really, really annoying cliffhanger. Granted, I don't imagine it would be annoying if you weren't annoyed by the movie itself, but I was, so it was.
0: I, and didn't, I didn't finish the movie.
1: It like, doesn't matter. It doesn't I, matter.
0: <laughs> I did. I, I didn't finish it, but I did, I don't think I hated it. I I think that I was just really bored, uh, and I think that's the problem that I had with it. Well, that's I, the thing I, is, I
1: didn't hate it. I found lots of admirable elements about it, like Brian Wait, Tyree you Henry, just Henry was said fantastic. You hated it. <laughs> No, I didn't. I, I said I didn't like it. That's not the same okay. thing. There were very, there were many admirable qualities in the movie, but ultimately, I, I do wish that it didn't exist, or that if it, if it does exist, that it existed in a radically, radically different form with a completely different screenplay.
2: Um, and i i'm not here defending it i know it was it was not very well received and i'm fine with that i i just happen to enjoy it and i'm i'm fine with everybody else not liking it so i i, I, you know, I, I
1: do not wish to take I, your joy away from you I, I
2: don't really have any arguments for why you should like it and nor do i want to make any type of arguments like that i just happen to enjoy it so yeah. i mean i'm i'm I fine mean, with that
1: i mean you are right yeah. I, kit, kit harrington was an absolute joy for the 5 minutes he was on screen <clears throat> uh, and uh and the 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 second stinger does give me high hope for, well, you know, spoiler, Blade. Uh, but I think uh, Nate already
2: knows. I'm sure. He's I did that. know that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I, in this case, I'm thinking more for the uh, for the uh, our limited audience. Well, mode. I mean, it's already on Disney Plus, so, yeah, it's, it's, so it's already it's out like, there. Yeah. No, like I say it's at this point. It's 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 you know been more than two weeks. I think we get to talk about this. But even so, it's it's a spec. I found it to be a spectacular misfire. There, there is some amazing stuff in it. I wish it was in service of better material, fundamentally a better script, and a couple of key bits of miscasting I found.
0: I just I didn't like the Bollywood scene because it was the most like low-key Bollywood production I have ever seen in my entire life.:
1: Yeah, that should have had more spectacle to it.
0: No. It was, eh. it was very, very quiet. <laughs> for,
1: for what it's worth, I actually hated the 355. Um. You know, the uh, the re- Uh. For for what it's worth, I like. I say this. I dislike. I actually hated the 355. Talking about recent movies that uh, that we've seen that I had a strong reaction to. Oh. Um. That that was the uh, the recent spy thriller with uh, with uh, Jessica Chastain and Lupita Nyong'o. Um. Uh, Sebastian. St- yeah. No. If you missed. Oh, it. Oh, I know.
2: You, I I've seen the poster for it, but yeah, that, it's awesome. terrible.
1: Uh, <laughs> it, it's the worst yeah. fucking spy movie I've ever seen. Okay. Uh, it's the most well, cliched script it. I've ever seen filmed um, I
2: don't think I even saw a trailer I think it was in the, in the movie theater there's a poster on the wall I walked past it and then I never heard about it again Didn't I've, even know it had I've come never out.
0: heard about it period
1: yeah anybody who was in that movie will be lucky if, uh, if it, it's quickly and quietly forgotten but mm. uh, in any event and, and I don't react that strongly a lot of the time but sometimes sometimes things just get done wrong um, <laughs> even so enough ranting uh, for me.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you for letting me say my piece as much as anything else. Uh, and, uh, of course, you know, no, no shame in differing opinions. I figure.
0: Well, it's on record now.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> At least when you actually release this, but anyway.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to touch on briefly the Guardians of the Galaxy game, since we seem to be doing uh, Marvel stuff. Hmm. Um, this is a game that came out uh, a few weeks ago, a few months ago. Few I think. Months. Well, you got not, it, so, not so, so, so very long ago. Not
2: so. Yeah, I very mean, I long mean, ago. Nate Nate gifted it to me for Christmas, so hmm. before that, so n- November maybe.
0: It's it's a really interesting game because it's essentially you're taking you're taking on four characters simultaneously uh uh which is uh uh, uh star lord, drax, um gamora and uh oh five characters uh rocket raccoon and uh uh groot
2: groot wait groot. is drax not in it drax i it, it. already in said it? drax oh yep okay never mind
0: so you you get to kind of command them uh with uh you play as star lord and uh you get to command the other characters and send them out and do specific tasks uh, they learn stuff along the way, so it, there's a little bit of a Metroidvania thing where uh, you have to, you can unlock areas by using their special abilities, and uh, that unlocks new dialogue options. Because the gameplay itself is kind of shoddy, but the script for this thing has got to be one of the best Marvel movies I've ever seen. It's it's. The characters are all tied together very nicely. Uh, everybody performs really well. Uh, there's there's some real meat to the story, uh, uh, all about parentage and, and dealing with loss and, and all this different stuff. It's just so impeccably written that I would recommend anybody who plays video games who listens to our pa- podcast uh, to play it just, just for the story. Um, the gameplay itself uh, leaves a lot to be desired.
2: Yeah, I mean, suffer
1: through the mechanics in order to get to the uh, the actual narrative.
2: Right. Well, so so my main problem is I played about five hours of it. My main problem is that I'm terrible at it. I I find the game very difficult to play. So as a result, so I haven't gotten stuck yet. But so I played it. I streamed. I did a couple streams of it, and the last thing I did I found very difficult and barely got through it. And so because of that, I haven't gone back to it just because I'm assuming it's going to get harder, and um. I'm just terrible at it. You're 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 sh- controlling Star Lord. You're shooting things. You have different ways to switch weapons, and you also have to command, uh, manually command your four companions to do certain things. And it's very chaotic to me. And
1: oh, so it's like it's- sacrifice.
2: I don't no, know. sacrifice. Sorry, un-
1: unbelievably obscure reference. I I, I imagine uh, hmm. early aughts, uh, it's kind of down in it, command and control, um real-time strategy-slash-action game, hmm. where basically you're trying to be a, a character who's directly interacting with the environment, but you're also trying to command other characters who are also down in the environment.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: a kind of amazing game, years ahead of its time, but it was one of those things where there were so many hotkeys that it probably assumed that you two were one of the four-armed characters that was playing in the game. Uh, Kind of one one of the most extraordinary weird things, beating the crap out of other weird things simulators ever made, but a a fascinating, fascinating and visually amazing mechanic. But at the same time, unbelievably difficult to actually control and really get the hang of. A very steep uh, learning Uh, curve, just from a standpoint of the muscle memory involved.
2: (laughs) I I find it very difficult to keep track. Like, I was fighting, and then people in my chat are like, you just let the boss heal. I'm like, I didn't see anything happen. I was just trying to survive. Like, I'm trying to shoot things and also command, and they said, well, you missed something happening on that edge of the screen. Like, he healed himself while you were running around doing whatever. I'm like, well, I didn't see it because I just,
0: it, it's, it's, it's
2: difficult for me. So, I haven't really gotten that far. Um, story-wise, I, yeah I ha- yeah, again, I haven't gotten far, so I don't know what's, uh, where the, the, I don't, I haven't seen all the development and stuff like that yet. I'm, I'm too early into the game. And so I've, heard that... it's an easy, I've heard it's an easy game. So that's what I've heard. But, I don't,
1: uh... I, this is sounding like one of those things where I'm probably going to, at least for my part, as a not particularly proficient gamer, particularly with consoles, I'm probably going to be better served by waiting for a playthrough to turn up than yeah. actually attempting to tackle it myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might play through it again. I really, I really like the story a lot. I, I was surprised by how good the storytelling is in this thing. Storytelling in video games has really gone somewhere. It's it's beautiful.
2: I might have Uh, to switch. Is there like an easy mode? I might have to switch it to that. There might be. I I think I'm playing (laughs) on normal difficulty. Okay. There's there's usually like a story difficulty and then an easy difficulty. So story is like super easy. Yeah. All games
0: should have a tourist mode. There there are things about the game that it's incredibly obtuse with its uh with its mechanics. Like you don't really know what you're supposed to be doing. It doesn't tutorialize very well. But um, so I, I imagine that's where a lot of problems have arisen for you, Shane, is uh, they're just yeah. not very good at that kind of thing. Um, and that's that's one of the problems with the game. The The mechanical problems are, are definitely an issue, but uh, I think it's worth slogging through them.
2: OK, I mean, I'll give it another shot. I'll look at the difficulty modes. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, uh, does anybody uh, have anything else they want to share before we call it a night?
1: Uh, Well, uh, just uh, particularly for the YouTube here, I wanted to uh, make a particular shout out, as I said earlier, to a couple of Severin Films' rather extraordinary box sets uh, that they've been coming out lately. In particular, I'm slogging through two of these. Uh, The 20-film... Uh, Plus audiobook, plus movie soundtrack, plus documentary uh, box set, All uh, the Haunts Be Ours, which is an extraordinary kind of overview of folk horror, uh, not just from the United States, uh, but also, uh, or sorry, not just from England, which is where we normally associate that sort of thing with, but uh, also uh, it has the Russian film V. Or uh, er, er, early uh, Gogol adaptation, uh, based uh, based on the same source as uh, Mario Bava's uh, Black Sunday, as well as. Uh just an extraordinary collection of other stuff it has American movies, it has Australian movies it has Japanese movies, it has uh, a couple of absolute Polish masterpieces uh, just an absolutely amazing box box set with a 3 hour and 18 minute documentary on the history of folk horror uh, plus a 154 page book, which itself is actually really enthralling in its own right, just a collection of essays on the subject, but I'm slowly muddling through that, but I wanted to make a shout out for that, as well as the Eurocrypt of Christopher Lee which is again full honors special editions of uh five christopher lee movies relatively obscure ones for the most part uh including crypt of the vampire which is notable as the only adaptation of carmilla that i'm aware of that is not actually a lesbian vampire movie but uh also again you know impressive booklet booklet impressive supplements and the first video release Anywhere ever that I'm aware of of an early '70s TV series called Theater Macabre, which was hosted by Christopher Lee, but which was actually adaptations of a series from Europe that were mostly adaptations of sort of classical horror stories, uh, but uh, in some ca- uh, but with a very interesting collection of uh, directors, including. Uh Andrzej Zulovsky, who, of course, is most famous for the film Possession with Isabella Johnny, and um, Sam Neill in one of his earliest works. So a fascinating, fascinating collection of stuff. And uh, again, box sets that I'm slowly slogging through. But again, not cheap, but highly recommended and highly worthwhile. So I definitely wanted to shout out to that.
0: All right. Well... I think that's probably going to do it for us here on What's on the Pile. Uh, You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at What's on the Pile, and you can find us on YouTube under uh, Punch Bunny, the Punch Bunny channel, Uh, or you can visit our website, whatsonthepile.com. Thanks for hanging out. And thank you for your indulgence.